Are you feeling stuck? Are you worried about what others think and this stops you from taking action? Do you need to find the proof that you're as strong and courageous as you wish you were? That's where I can help. Welcome to Finding Proof, a podcast where you learn to create the tools you need to reach the next level of your success. I'm your host, Dr. Tess Crawley. I'm an Australian clinical and forensic psychologist and an evidence-based success strategist. I'm on a mission to help you find the evidence you need to make the next courageous leap in your life, business and work. So let's get started. Good morning. Welcome to the Finding Proof live show. I'm very glad to be with you this morning. I have been uh, listening to a little bit of Brene Brown this morning, her Dare to Lead book. And it's actually one of those moments, you know, when you're listening to an audio book or a podcast or somebody's live stream, and it really feels like the person is speaking right to you. You know that feeling. I had that feeling this morning. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for joining me. So I had that feeling this morning, driving along, having dropped uh, my kids at school and listening to Dare to Lead. And she was talking about getting criticised. Now, as you know, Brene Brown's a rather well-known person with quite a social media presence. She didn't always have such a, a large social media profile, of course. She is a licensed clinical social worker. She's a researcher of 20 years standing. She actually had, um, I guess, executive level uh, organisational experience before becoming a social worker. I'm not sure if you knew that. So she is in the leadership space and she's somebody who I really enjoy having a listen to or a read of. And today she was talking about how, she was talking about her core values and her core values are faith and courage. Now, courage is something that is a very dear value to me as well. Being a business owner requires courage, it requires taking risks, it requires putting yourself out there, and oftentimes it requires you standing alone. I've talked before about this idea of business owners being immortal. Not really, of course we die, <laughs> but being like an immortal, being somebody who's always the last one standing or the last one responsible, the last one to turn the lights out and your team members will come and go, but you'll always be there. So Brene was talking this morning about, um, she was talking about having conversations that other people may be uncomfortable with because it presses their comfort zone buttons, I suppose. So whether she's talking about uh, the political landscape in America or immigration issues or race or sexism, she says, you know, sometimes people will pipe up and say things like, why don't you stick to writing? Why don't you just talk about what your, you know, what your stuff is? Why don't you stay out of areas that are no concern to yours? Coming back to her core value of courage, she talks about, and this is a beautiful quote, I actually had to pause the recording this morning and repeat this to myself a few times to really let it sink in because it just spoke to me so much. This quote of, she said, my courage requires that I honor it by choosing my voice over comfort. 
In other words, if she's to live to her core value of courage, she needs to be brave enough to stand her ground, to stay in her own lane, but do so not silently, but vocally. To speak her truth, to answer her critics, to speak out when others might stay silent. I mean, the classic example is when someone makes a sexist joke and you laugh awkwardly. And she said, I never laugh in those circumstances, not because of self-righteousness. She said, I will say, could you please not have those kinds of conversations in front of me? Because her courage, for her to feel that she's living in integrity, she has to be courageous in those situations and speak up. Hi, Kim. Thank you for joining me. Um, so I, I think I've been thinking quite a bit this past week, um, or this week really, about, about standing your ground, about popping your head up above the parapets and risking it being shot. Um, and I've, I've had some experience of that, both myself and in talking to others around me. And what I've decided is really criticism is inevitable. As soon as you... Actually, I'm going to ask you to take your mind back. Take your mind back to when you were at school or when you are at university. Were you one of the students who knew the answer to a question but kept silent because you didn't want to be judged by your peers? Or were you the student who annoyed the shit out of everybody because you kept putting your hand up when you knew the answer? I was that student. I was a bit of a Hermione Granger, I have to say. And I was the same at uni. And I felt, I remember feeling at uni, I was a mature age student. I didn't go to university till I was 25. I was an actor and all sorts of interesting things before then. But I remember being at university and feeling this, this urge to answer the question because I knew the answer. And I would wait a respectful period to give somebody else a turn, but I would feel it boiling in me that for God's sake, no one else has got the courage to put their hands up and have a go whether they're right or they're wrong. And so I would put my hand up and sometimes I was right and sometimes I was wrong. I'm not going to be right all the time. Fast forward to today, there are new rules in the world. There are new rules around how we connect. In fact, it's psychology week this week and the theme of psychology week is connection. And there are new rules around how we connect with one another. We don't need to be sitting in a room quietly talking together to have a connection. Now, I was at the APS, which is the Australian Psychological Society. I was at the APS Congress in Sydney in September. You might have remembered seeing some, some content from me from that conference. And I was at the AGM for the APS and listening to the speech by our new, or the APS's new CEO, Frances Mirabelli. Now, she was previously the CEO of the AMA, which is the Australian Medical Association, and she's been CEO of other things. She's not a psychologist, but she damn well knows business. Now, the thing that stood out to me, and I actually posted a tweet quoting her at the time because it just, again, one of those moments where somebody was speaking directly to me, or so it seemed. And she said, in order to connect with our community, in order to have an impact, in order to 
reduce stigma around mental health, in order to reduce the stigma around help-seeking behaviours, in order to reduce loneliness in our community. Now, keep in mind, she was talking to a room full of psychologists. In order to achieve these things, social media must be at the forefront of our endeavours. Now, my national peak body of my profession has <laughs> belatedly really caught the social media bug and you know and when you when you're active on social media you will attract followers but you'll also attract detractors and that's just the reality and so of course the APS is now posting things on social media they get people who like what they post they get people who don't like what they post and that's as it should be because you know it's a free speech environment I suppose morning Rhonda nice to have you with me um, and I'm telling you that because increasingly I'm, I'm, I'm aware of colleagues, I'm aware of friends, I'm aware of people I admire using social media more and more to get their message across. Now I've been doing this for 18 months. I did my first live stream in June 2017, late June. Now, more recently, I've been more strategic in my social media activities. And I encourage business owners to do the same. Have a plan around your social media activity. Use it wisely, use it well, use it often, use it consistently if you're using it as a tool to further your mission. So when you do that, naturally, you're going to be more commonly in front of the faces of, of people on Facebook. Now let me give you a little a little quick tip here when you're consuming social media. When you're consuming social media and you're not comfortable with what somebody is posting or you're sick and tired of seeing what somebody is posting, you can unfollow them. That's not very difficult. You can unfollow them and you don't need to be bothered with their content anymore you can scroll past them. You can even unfollow friends and remain friends with them on Facebook if you're not really interested in their content but you don't wanna unfriend them and don't wanna upset them. But when somebody is posting actively on social media, when you are actively posting on social media, you're stepping outside your comfort zone in order to do that. What does that mean? That means you're potentially stepping outside other people's comfort zones too. So some people will be very critical or judgmental of the work that you're doing on social media because they're uncomfortable, because they would never do it themselves and they can't understand why you're doing it. Now, one of the laziest and cheapest criticisms of people with a social media profile is to call them narcissistic. I've been called that. And I live with that every day. Every day I post something on social media, I'm very, very conscious of the fact that, geez, I must come across as a narcissist to people who don't listen to the content, don't understand the message that I speak about. And of course, my message, as you know, if you follow the work that I do, it's all about courage. It's all about confidence. It's all about finding that proof within yourself that you can achieve the things that you're holding yourself back from achieving. You're, you're lacking or you fear that you're lacking 
what it takes to step up to your next level in your career or your your creative endeavors or whatever it might be in your life that you feel that, that you've come so far and there's this barrier, this glass wall, you can't even see it, let alone smash through it. So my message is all about digging, digging internally and finding all the evidence that's already there that you've overlooked or you've forgotten. And when you find that evidence, I talk about finding your inner superhero. When you find, I mean, that's just one of the things, but when you find that evidence, when you find that proof that you've actually already done really courageous things, that you've actually already done amazing stuff and withstood incredible challenges, it becomes easier to step outside your comfort zone again, to put one foot over the line of, of your comfort zone into unknown territory and realize the sky's not gonna fall in. And then you can put the other foot out there too and realize the sky's still not going to fall in. Now, one of the, one of the key strategies I, I utilize in the face of fear of criticism and judgment is, is an abundance mindset. And I have talked about this many, many times. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, completely willing to own that. I know that to be a fact. I remember being in primary school the first time I realized this. And I think I was probably in grade five, which means I was around about 10 years of age. And my primary school was um, in Launceston in Northern Tasmania. And it was the same primary school my grandfather went to. And I remember standing under these beautiful old oak trees one day in the gardens of the school. I can't tell you what triggered this realization. I can't remember what petty schoolyard spat had triggered this realization, but I realized not everybody likes me. And I was really shocked. I was shocked to have that insight that we call it theory of mind. When you're, when you're able to theorize about what somebody else is thinking, being able to hold someone else's potential thoughts in your own mind and recognize that their thoughts might be different to yours, that's a theory of mind. Lots of research around that, which is quite fascinating. I talk about that a lot with children with autism, for example. So it was the dawning of my development in that domain, having a theory of mind and understanding that other children in the playground might think differently to the way that I thought, inclusive of not liking me. And then I kind of, over time, realised that was okay. And do you know why I realised it was okay? Because I realised I didn't like everybody else either. I had people I really admired. I had people who were really close friends. I had my family. I had my brother. I had cousins who were my best friends growing up and we did everything together. And it didn't matter that there were people in the schoolyard that didn't like me. Fast forward to today, I've had some very um, interesting things said about me recently. and. When people make criticisms and judgments of you and the work that you're doing or me and the work that I'm doing, having an abundance mindset, and this is what I'm getting at, and this is what the, the childhood story is also about, having an abundance mindset and stepping firmly into abundance in the face of rejection and criticism, it's all about saying, you know what, yep, X percentage of this 
massive population of humanity on this planet is not gonna like what I do, is not gonna like me, is not gonna be interested in what I do, and you know, they're going to label me with all sorts of labels. Narcissist being one, manic being another, um, who knows what else people have interesting thoughts about any of us when we're not in the room to meet those people face to face and show them the full range of who we are. So, when we step into abundance and have a rock solid, a rock solid belief that there are enough people, that's what abundance is all about. It's not about quantity, it's about enough. When we believe that there is enough of everything, enough time, enough money, enough opportunities, and enough people who are interested in our message or the work that we do or the work that we want to achieve if only we felt more confident to do it. When we understand that basic principle, there are enough people who are interested in the work that you're doing, you will feel more grounded. You will feel more confident knowing that the people who are naysayers they, we can just let them neigh in the corner to themselves, really, can't we? When people are critical, that's their stuff. We can't own them. We can't own their thoughts. We can't own their, their opinions. We can't be responsible for people's reactions to us. We can only be responsible for staying in integrity, standing strong in the mission of the work that you're doing, you can only be true to yourself and the hard work that you put in to the, the achievements that you want to look back and feel proud about. So, you know, I think in the early days of social media, it, uh, there was a lot of mistrust around the use of it. And I think that still is pervasive, that there are a lot of people who don't know Unfollow me. Don't listen to my stuff if it doesn't appeal to you or you're sick of the side of my face. It's no skin off my nose to say goodbye with my blessing if you're not interested in what I'm talking about. There are still so many people who don't understand how to utilize social media wisely. But there are absolutely enough people who are active on social media. And when I say active, they're not only producing interesting content they're also actively participating, participating in closed group conversations of great depth and meaning, participating in training online, participating in supporting people from the other side of the world. What a fabulous community and a fabulous connection to, again, bring up the Psychology Week theme, what a fabulous connection, a powerful way of connecting humans with each other is a platform like social media. Now, yesterday morning, I had the great privilege, and, and if you follow my pod podcast, which I do encourage you to do, because there's a lot of stuff on the podcast, um, the podcast's also called Finding Proof, so search Finding Proof or search my name on your favorite podcast platform, and you should find it there. This will appear on the podcast later if you don't want to look at my face. Um, 
but yesterday morning, about 6.30 in the morning, I had the great privilege of interviewing Clay Cockrell, who is a licensed clinical social worker from New York. And he was telling me about his experiences of breaking new ground as a mental health professional in his community. Now, one of the first things he did, which was a little bit outside the box, was he created a, um, an, an arm, if you like, to his therapy. So he has an office in New York, in Manhattan, and he's not far from Central Park. And he developed, through a request from a client, actually, he developed walking a walking therapy. So he has a website. If you want to check him out, walkandtalk.com. And when he started offering as an alternative to in-room um, therapy, he started offering this walking therapy. What he found was his professional peers were horrified because he dared step outside the safe four walls of the consulting room and take his therapy outside. Now, he, he, he said, you know, he was well aware of the ethical considerations, well aware of being conscious when he's with a client, who else is around and might overhear the conversation, but he, they're in Central Park, for God's sake. You know, it's a big place. Later on in his career, he developed another, another arm to his business, which was equally controversial at the time. The things he's doing now are fairly inconsequential in terms of being a disruptor, being an innovator, being an entrepreneur. But at the time, he said to me, at the time, he got called every name under the sun by his professional peers. And he just had to stand tall in abundance and courage and just put, put his focus firmly on his big picture vision. So when you're developing a business and you're nervous about being criticized, whether it's use of social media or some other thing that you're doing that is outside of the norm, I mean, for heaven's sake, he was just going for a walk with a client and was being called all sorts of names. Now, whether it doesn't matter what you're doing, if it's outside your comfort zone, it's bound to be outside someone else's, which means you are, you are going to get some criticism. You are going to get some judgment. Whether you ever hear about it or not, just accept it's going to happen. Accept it's going to happen and be at peace with that because we can't be all things to all people. We are not everyone's cup of tea. We don't all drink Russian caravan. We don't all drink English breakfast. Some people love one and hate the other. Some are quite ambivalent about either. So when you're focusing on the work that you're doing and you're feeling that fear of judgment and that fear of criticism, just remember your bigger picture and ground yourself in that. Just step into an abundance-based mindset that there are enough people who are interested in what you've got to say and stand tall in that. And then when you do hear some of that criticism directly, whether it's a troll on Facebook, you get a troll, Easy peasy, screenshot, report, delete, block, done. Don't overthink it. Do not personalize that criticism. Think of yourself as having a mirror, a mirror shield. And when those criticisms come, you can give them some consideration. You can give them some time. Do Is this a criticism from someone whose opinion I respect? 
has this criticism been given to me directly from someone I respect or are people talking about me behind my back? And if people are talking about you behind your back, for whatever reason, they're comfortable doing that, it's not your business. It is not your business. Let them. Let them. And you stay consistent in what you're doing. You stay focused. You stay authentic. You stay courageous. Keep swimming in your lane. So that then, you know, if you if you do get criticisms, if you do get judgment, and, you, and if it does hurt, and it will hurt, some of it will hurt. Certainly, I get hurt sometimes by some of the things said about me. Allow that some breathing room and then let it pass. Think of it like, you know, a storm cloud passing over the sun. It will pass. You'll get through it and draw back on your big picture because your big picture is your anchor point pulling you forward as you're moving forward in your goals. So with the work I do, I've got a lot of stuff coming up over the next 12 months that will make all of my current social media activity, I guess, make sense. But that stuff hasn't eventuated yet. And when it does, you know, it'll be very obvious that what I'm doing now is the laying the foundations for what I'm going to be doing in the next 12 months or so. So I can't expect everybody to understand or get what I do because they're not in my head. They don't see my big picture and they're not going to see your big picture either. And that's okay. That's okay. Let them misunderstand what it's all about. Let them judge. Let them criticise. Try to protect yourself as emotionally as you can. Get support. Get a mentor. Get somebody around you who you can dump this stuff with. Try and find a way to laugh about it. And I can tell you there's been some um, <laughs> belly laughs. Sorry, I nearly made myself cough. There have been some belly laughs. Um, Kim's asking, what's my big picture? Okay, Kim, I'm happy to share it. Um, my big picture is a work in progress. So my big picture is... As you know, I do a lot of mentoring with mental health professionals and the, um, the, the passion I have for that and the joy I get out of that is, um, I can't even put a word on that to be honest, but I, but I feel very privileged to be in the position of being able to, to do that work. It's, it's absolutely a passion area of mine. And over the last, hello Steve, I see you there. So Stephen Campbell, one of the people I met when I went to Las Vegas for, for an event, um, that trip to Las Vegas, I knew, I knew, just knew was going to be a turning point in understanding my big picture. Now, about 12 months ago, I had a conversation with my business mentor around, I can, I know that there's a project waiting to reveal itself to me, but I just can't get the clarity that I need to realize what that project is going to Las Vegas for that function and meeting people from around the world who are at that event helped clarify what that pro what that project was so my project is actually to um i guess um open up the mentoring that i do for mental health professionals and open that up for a broader audience of business professionals so typically my mentoring clients at the moment are private practice owners in the mental health realm and looking to open that up to other business owners, creative entrepreneurs, uh, people who are wanting to launch a business and so on, business leaders, creative leaders and so on. So for me, the big picture, there's, you know, there are steps towards achieving that big picture. So the first step was, was 
launching my podcast, which I did as part of the program that I was involved in um, that took me to Las Vegas. Um, so through being involved in that program, that helped me have the courage to launch that podcast out into a broader audience and to a global audience. Now, the podcast's not even six months old and we've had five and a half thousand listens so far. So it's doing okay for itself. But it reaches a broader audience than my typically mental health professional audience. There's a program similar to my mentoring programs that I run um, for mental health professionals. There'll be um, a subscription-based group for other business leaders being launched in January. Beyond that, there's a program that people will be able to download and, and um, complete in their own time, launch sometime early next year as well. There's also a book that we're working on. So there are steps to that big picture. And I have to be really honest, I can't see, I, I don't know yet where what's beyond those steps. The picture is one, one that is evolving. That's why I say it's a work in progress. It evolves the more I'm doing and the more I'm learning and the more um, I'm experimenting with what I'm doing, the, um, the more elements to that big picture come into play. So absolutely, what I do with the Finding Proof live show, with the Finding Proof podcast, with the little snippety videos that are intended only for YouTube, I have been putting them occasionally on Facebook, um, but they really are intended for YouTube. Um, it's all about laying a foundation so that people become aware of the message that I'm trying to share. They can choose for themselves whether they want to participate in anything else that I do, but there will always be a wealth of free content for people because I am passionate about what I do. Now, if people are sick of seeing me on Facebook, we all know the answer to that. Just unsubscribe, unfollow, unfriend, whatever it is that's necessary and do that. So, I mean, Kim, you've stepped into courage lately and I've mentioned you before I seem to pick on you a little bit you've been doing live videos on your practice Facebook page and I don't know whether you've had any criticism I've certainly praised you because I've seen how you've developed in your courage and confidence and and freedom if you like in talking about about things to do with mental health that is free content free content provided to the community that will reach how many, however many people it reaches, kind of irrelevant. The numbers aren't important. What's important is it only needs to be one person to hear one video to realise they're not alone with whatever it is they're struggling with. So whether it's a mental health condition, or whether it's a um, whether it's a, a business dilemma, it doesn't matter how many people we reach if there's even just one person. Who realizes that not alone so again psychology week it's all about connection and that's what social media is all about so I'm always really proud when I'm watching other mental health professionals in particular stepping up to the plate and providing uh, content on social media because I know that we are expected to stay within the four walls of our consulting room and be quiet and be invisible and not do anything to rock the boat now when I was talking to Clay Cockrell the, Cockrell the other day he was telling me or reminding me because I know this to be true he said we still have mental health professionals who don't even have an email address or a mobile phone let alone a website let alone a social media presence now he's not saying that as a criticism but just to illustrate the breadth or the spectrum of comfort with social media I mean another reason you know for getting messages out there in Australia we've recently had an addition to our Medicare um, 
government funding so that we now have access to government funding for people in very rural and remote communities to have online therapy with mental health professionals from anywhere in Australia. Now, how does the mental health, how does the member of a remote community know that they can do that? How do they find that information out? How do they find out that there's a psychologist in Sydney or Toowoomba or Brisbane or Hobart or wherever, or a social worker or an occupational therapist with the skills, the knowledge, the experience that just feels right for them to finally put their hand up and ask for some help with their depression? Think about our farmers, for example. So social media, this is why Francis Mirabelli, CEO of the Australian Psychological Society says, Social media must be at the forefront of what we do. It's taken me 18 months to get this confident with what I do and to feel that I can step even further outside my comfort zone and appeal to a broader audience. And if that annoys some people, I'm not even going to apologise because that's just too bad. So Kim's saying she wishes she had the courage to do this 20 years ago. I agree, Kim. Uh, well, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media then, but absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Kim, for, uh, this was at the AGM for the APS, at the APS Congress in Sydney in September, Francis said, absolutely, social media should be at the forefront of what we're doing to connect with our community and make psychological services more accessible. So... I may come across as manic to some, I may come across as nar narcissistic to some, but you know what? I'm not insightless to that. I know that people make those judgments. I've always known that people make those judgments and I choose to step into courage and honor my courage by choosing my voice over my comfort. So I think all of us has the capacity to do that. Steve does some amazing videos. If you jump onto YouTube and check out Steve Two Cents, Steve's, <laughs> Steve's tagline is, that's my two cents, keep the change. Um, Steve's an electrician in the States and he's been on a personal development journey. And I think as a bloke willing to share his insights, his feelings, his thoughts, his learnings, man, Steve, if you're, if you're reaching even just one other man in the world who felt that he couldn't talk about how he felt, then man, you've done an amazing job. So this is the power of social media. This is why we need to be courageous. This is why we need to not let fear of criticism and fear of judgment influence the decisions we make. And that's it from me today. Thank you so much for joining the conversation today. It was really, really great to have you with me. And I look forward to being with you again on the Finding Proof live show next week. Don't forget, you can catch up with all of my video content on YouTube. You can catch up with a lot of my content also on the podcast. So my longer videos end up as podcast episodes as well as other um, dedicated recordings and episodes created just for the podcast so every now and then you'll find additional content on the podcast so please make good use of the content that's there it's there for you and I hope that you will find it to be in some way helpful on your journey to finding the proof that you need to step into your courage and take great leaps forward I'll talk to you again very soon bye bye for today <music>